Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. Uh, we're going to talk Lord of the Rings today, I guess, because some cards have started to get previewed. Uh, these things are going to be legal in modern, and it seems like a pretty hot discussion topic as far as whether or not this set should or should not be modern horizons three and uh spoiler alert i don't think it is so y'all need to just calm the hell down but uh i guess brian you wanted to mention something to me i'm kind of scared but i just i mean the biggest news of the week oathbreaker how how are we not talking about this i i don't know what that is i didn't either to be honest i i had to do a little googling i didn't know well, based on context clues, which I am capable of decoding, I was able to figure out that Oathbreaker is a format of magic. And it was apparently officially recognized today by Wizards of the Coast as a format of magic. Uh, why? I don't know. I don't know why we did that. Um, oh, I remember appears... this. I remember this. Okay. Yeah. So what it is, is you get one Oathbreaker, a planeswalker seen... card. I've never seen anyone play. Nope, me neither. One signature spell, which is which is an instant or sorcery card, and then 58 main deck cards. And every card must match your color identity, and then you have access to your Oathbreaker and your signature spell from the beginning of each game. Cool. Then you play some multiplayer. Because Magic needed another format desperately. Why, okay. why do you think they did this? Do you, have a, do you have a reason why they would add Oathbreakers in official format? First of all, I do think there was like a moment where this was getting some sideways popularity. That moment seemed like a long time ago, as far as I could perceive it anyway. I mean, I won't pretend to be the most up to date on how this stuff is trending and how hot Oathbreaker is, but I haven't heard anyone mention this format in a very long time. Yeah, it was like 2017. I just remember going to the GPs and like the folks were going around trying to promote it and stuff but again i'd never actually seen anyone play a game so i don't know but uh i i think it is fine i think that that is what happened with edh which then became mm -hmm. commander and mm -hmm. certainly that has worked out pretty well for wizards so if there is a format that you know, has some popular, I guess like maybe popper started that way too. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. But yeah, I mean, if there's a community made format that is notable and is driving engagement and, and whatnot, uh, I feel like then we better monetize them, that thing. Yeah, exactly. And we start getting like Oathbreaker horizons or whatever, you know? I'm stoked for Earthbreaker Horizons. I can't wait. Cool. Um, was that it? That was the hot, that was that's the hot it. thing. Yeah, that's, that's all I got. It's just very out of nowhere and strange. And uh, you know, I wanted to know if you had any insight as to why this might be happening. But I have a feeling our old friend is the answer. So no reason to really delve any deeper on it. Our old friend dollar sign. Yep, my favorite. Uh uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, right? Like you could speculate as to, uh, maybe a wizard's employee got a hold of this format and happens to like it and they 
are a person in charge or something or things can't maybe, happen that arbitrarily can they or maybe uh an oath breaker person knows someone at wizards and has been lobbying for this for a long time i mean uh gavin verhey before he was at wizards tried to do the whole overextended thing which i remember was yep. kind of the precursor to modern you know like weird formats pick up traction and get officially recognized for silly reasons all the time what was the last format to be officially recognized has to be edh right cube okay yeah maybe that's the answer i remember being weirded out when cube started showing up on magic online yeah for sure that was a a big turning point for the format yeah and now it's you know, if, if you are an enfranchised magic player, like you know what that means, but like that wasn't always the case, right? So we'll have to see how Oathbreaker develops. Maybe it'll become my favorite for I'm looking for my favorite format. I'm I'm out there as a free agent right now. <laughs> like you recruit me, you make a compelling case. Maybe I'm an Oathbreaker main. I don't know. Canadian Highlander, my dude. Maybe, maybe that's also the answer. I'm like I said, free agent. Make your pitch. I Come went to the table, the hot contract. I went deep, way too deep last night. I blame it on the fact that I took uh, my prescribed Adderall for the first time in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. But I went, I went very deep last night building uh, Canadian Highlander decks. Okay, uh, you were not, you were big on this a, a little while ago, and you kind of I you I know. ain't got no one to play with, man. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Turns out, uh, you know, I got, I can build the decks, I can acquire the cards or whatever, but if I don't actually get to play any games, what the hell am I doing with my life? You know? Yeah. It only gets you so far, but I went, I went down some, some pretty deep, dark rabbit holes. And that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. I, I did not put together any like physical cards. Cause again, I don't have anyone to play with. So like, what's the point, but my notebook, my notebook, man is filled anyway. Uh, Lord of the Rings. What is, your interest level in this just like the ip in general uh i mean pretty high I've, I've read all the books i wouldn't say like i'm a fanatic i don't have like lord of the rings memorabilia all around my place but i read all the books i saw the first set of movies really enjoyed them didn't follow up on like you know the hobbit sequels which seemed to be not all that well liked but first set certainly very very good books i read when i was younger so sort of like, uh, you know, foundational to interest, introducing me to fantasy world. So I would say my attachment to Middle Earth is above average, probably, but but not bordering on fanatical, I would say. Word. How about you? Uh, I, I think I missed the boat on this one, okay. which is weird because everything should have lined up for me to like devour this stuff. Cause like I was reading fantasy books as a kid, but y'all, y'all got to realize this was in the before times, like no internet. I lived in a small town, like basically even small towns have like malls now. Right. And I, we didn't have any of that. No, we didn't either. So how the hell am I supposed to like see this stuff or get exposed to this stuff or whatever? It was literally like, I walked around a bookstore the one time that I got to go to a bookstore where I had like, you know, five minutes before my mom drags me off or whatever. And it's just like, you know, the first book with a dragon on it, I saw, I got, but like, 
Lord of the Rings didn't have any of that stuff, right? It was just like plain covers and whatever. I literally, uh, I literally didn't know Lord of the Rings existed until maybe the movies were coming out. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Uh, so, you know, we've talked a bunch on the podcast, very similar situations growing up, very isolated childhoods, but uh, my dad had a small book collection and Lord of the Rings was part of that collection. So uh, I, I probably read most of those books and I probably have like some outsized exposure to things people of my generation generally don't have exposure to just because like my choices were so limited and I just read what my dad had. So I've read most of the Doonesbury comic strips, which I don't think anyone <laughs> our age is all that interested in. Uh, At least like, it's not Gilbert. At least it's not Gilbert. That's a, that's a good, uh, good motto to have in life. Um, Doc, Doc Savage, not even Doctor Who, but Doc Savage was like a pulpy, uh, sci-fi thing I think from probably like the 50s or 60s that my dad had a bunch of the books so I read a bunch of that uh, but anyway Lord of the Rings made the cut in that very small collection and that's probably where I got it from word uh, I don't think anyone in my family owned a book okay I wish I wish I was lying I wish I was like making that up or you know slightly fabricating that I'm just not kidding I just don't think that there were any books that's interesting for for all of the you know I, I guess like a kind way of putting it would be like bumpkinness of my family. Uh, all voracious readers and really going Good. back like my grandparents. Uh, awesome. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting thing that made it through uh, despite some other shortcomings that we definitely had as a family. The other thing that is tangentially related to this is why to this day, I still do not know the rules to chess. Okay. And there was a time in grade school where I had the option to like learn how to play. And I was like, Oh, games, like, you know, games sound sweet. Right. And this is like one V one, even as like an eight year old, this appealed to me. Yeah. And the person who was charged with the task of teaching me the rules was an asshole. Mm, that'll ruin a game every time. So I, like within five minutes, I was just like, yep, nope, F this, I'm off it, and just never went back. Yeah, I I know the rules of chess, and so, you know, obviously, I won't say everyone, a, a lot of people know chess, and when they hear about my background, a lot of times, like, the way they try and find commonality with me is like, oh, you must be great at chess, you must love chess, and I'm like, no, I am awful. Like, just not even above, just no basic strategy, no... I don't know. The game just like never clicked with me. It never appealed to me. And uh, I'm a horrible, horrible chess player. And a few times I was like, oh, and I'm talking about when I'm older now, like in my you know mid thirties, I'm like, oh, I wonder if chess is interesting. If I like get a book and start studying, is it something I could actually get into? Nope. I don't like it. It, it just doesn't appeal <laughs> to me. I don't know why. Fair. Uh, I mean, I think given the the limited like scope and opportunities that I had and stuff, like I would have ate that up. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I should say the same thing, but I, it just never did, never hit with me. I don't know why. I don't know. I know the the horsey moves like an L. That's about nice. it. Nice, but yeah, I've I've had some of the same experiences. It's just like, oh, games, like yeah, chess. I'm just like, literally, no. <laughs> yeah. Hard pass. You want to play cribbage? I'll I'll beat your ass in cribbage. You know, like that is a game I played a lot 
as a child, but I, I don't know why, you know, but the fact that I loved that game so much, like I would have just taken basically whatever you put in front of me if you weren't an asshole. Yeah, we played a lot of gin, gin rummy. Those yeah. were, were kind of my jams. So I, I actually I didn't like play those. that until later, until the, the poker room era. Okay. But then there was a bunch of 60-year-old dudes around who, what they wanted Possibly. to do was play gin. So I was like, all yeah. right, I'll learn. Yep. Yeah, all those yeah. two younger fanboys wanted to pick up gin. Ah, of course. So yeah, missed the boat on Middle Earth. Uh, watched the movies. Uh, I probably saw the first one in theaters. And I, I just, I didn't really like it. But part, part of the problem, it's not that it's bad. Like, I, I think it is really good, especially the the history behind it and for its time. Yeah. But the problem is, is that everything is derivative of it. And as you iterate on, a, you know, storyline, uh, like hero's journey type of stuff or whatever, like you get chances to like iterate, make it better and make it more interesting, updated for modern times, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So like the newer stuff tends to just be more appealing to me, even, even though I respect this as kind of like the OG, you know? Yeah. That's often how these foundational pieces go. And you can look at it a lot with all kinds of gaming, right? Like a lot of things that were the first are not necessarily the best, especially when it comes to things like, you know, you think of the first roguelites or the first battle royales, all those things are very quickly outmoded by whoever like takes this really brilliant idea and then iterates on it. Maybe the one exception to that magic, the gathering. Yeah. And I mean, I still think that there are plenty of people out there who are like, you know, they know what magic is, but maybe Hearthstone's their thing or rune Terra or whatever the next thing to come along is. Right. And if it were me in that scenario, it's just like, yeah, maybe magic is not my thing. I prefer these other things, but it's like, you've got to respect how foundational this thing was, right? Like how important this was, mm -hmm. because like your thing would not exist if this thing didn't exist. Right. Absolutely. So all that stuff is cool. Uh, I, I do think that the themes and everything mesh with magic really well, as far as like setting and whatnot, you know, again, like magic probably wouldn't exist if, Lord of the Rings was nothing. So I think that's fine. It's it's a little weird to be putting, you know, Gandalf in my thing, my, my magic cards. We talked about this a little bit before. We're just weird to just be like mixing stuff. Um, but whatever. This the the people who love this are really gonna love it. And then uh I guess everyone else is just gonna make up reasons for why they don't like it, which is like, yeah. oh, it's gonna ruin modern or whatever. And all right, you know, everyone needs a hobby. And I've certainly seen enough people who are like either not interested in magic or tangentially related to magic being like, oh, this is amazing. I'm completely all in on this set. Um, so it is doing its job very effectively. I have just gotten to the point where I'm like, none of these things will ever be for me. I like my, my things separate, just how I feel about it. I don't have any need for any of my favorite IPs to cross it, over into magic. I, I, I get it. And I, dude, I agree with you. I just feel weird whenever I say that. Cause it, it I, I, it you probably just sound like a segregationist or whatever. Right. It's just like, that's well, not what I, I mean. Hopefully they sound much worse than we do. But yeah. I, hopefully. But like, you, you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it just kind of weirds me out. It's like magic is its own thing. And suddenly you have like LeBron James on a magic card or whatever, you know, it's weird. It's yeah, it's just weird. That's that's all you have to say about it. And you know, some people that 
bothers them. Some people it doesn't. And if it doesn't bother you, that's cool. I'm I'm happy you get your favorite Lord of the Ring characters in your magic game. I've just written off all this universes beyond stuff. It's it's never going to be something that I'm over the moon about. So I'm just going to engage with it uh, as I would with magic cards because these are actual magic cards you are allowed to play in formats I care about. So that's that's the only context I need to really analyze them and think about them. Yeah, I guess I guess the thing that's weird to me is like you're kind of shoehorning this thing in here because of almighty dollar sign. And if you were going to make a fantasy TCG about Lord of the Rings, this is not how you would do it. And this is not how you would implement right. these mechanics. And like, that's, that's part of what feels off to me. You know, I think the other thing is that there have been multiple Lord of the oh, Rings yeah. games, some of which are quite beloved actually, uh, you know, some of which maybe haven't, aged all that well but i do remember like during the og tcg days when magic was just finding its footing sort of one of the biggest competitors was the lord of the rings tcg it was probably behind like star wars maybe star trek as the number three game as i perceived it anyway and then the lord of the rings game was probably sitting in like fourth place what about um, l5r that one always seemed like it was around too yeah l5r a little bit later i think i could be yeah. wrong you know this is like a a child's memory of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, like magic, Star Trek, Star Wars, very much in the first wave of TCGs. And then I kind of look at L5Rs, that second wave, but I, I, I will fully admit I could be wrong. Yeah, fair. Uh, well, shit, man, where do you want to start? Well, it's not that many cards, so we can just go card by card. And, you know, I, I think, for the most part, there's going to be a consistent theme with these. These cards are not designed to break modern. They're designed to have uh, maybe an outside touch on the format. And that could be generous in a lot of cases with these cards. Their power level is not there. But that's tough because I think what I've seen is a lot of a lot of frustration from some people about how weak these cards are. At the same time... There's the issue you stated where it's like, oh, we're worried this set is going to ruin modern. It's very clearly not at this point. Like, I, I don't think we're going to see a ton of these cards. I think they'll be very rare appearances from them, but I don't think they completely reshape the modern format. And now I wonder if this was just a no-win situation where you either make the cards weak and a bunch of people are cranky about that or you make them too strong and a bunch of people are cranky about that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I like it is technically legal in modern and that is about it so far i mean there's there's a very playable card here i think but we'll we'll get to that as we sure. move through all right uh what what website are you on i am on uh mythic spoiler right now all right i'll go to mythic spoiler oh, oh. thank you all right first up tom bombadil i have no idea who this is by the way i just don't remember yeah me either oh no i tried to make it the card bigger Okay, <laughs> so I made my page bigger twice and it changed to the alt art version. And then on the fourth time, it changed back to the regular version. Okay, totally reasonable. All right, Wooberg for a 4-4 legendary creature, God Bard. I don't know, God Bard, I don't remember him, but maybe maybe I should remember him. Uh, I, I think he was not in the movies, but like I said, I read the books, but it was a long time ago. So I, I just have no no memory of Tom Armbadil. Hobbit movies, probably. Uh, as long as there are four or more lore counters among sagas you control, this has hexproof and indestructible. 
Whenever the final chapter ability of a saga you control resolves, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a saga card. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. This ability triggers only once each turn. Modern staple, all-star, clearly. No, I don't think so. I think this... Well, I, I was kidding. Here's right. another question. This is like probably a pretty interesting commander, I would assume. Again, don't expect to be the best judge of that format, but that's my guess. What about... There's a commander... Yeah, maybe an Oathbreaker too. There, there's a commander Lord of the Rings set that is completely separate from the main set. So that's true. Uh, this kind of begs the question, why? Why is there a separate commander set when cards like this are going into the main set? Almighty dollar sign. I guess so. Yeah, I, I really have a hard time uh, understanding the separation based on these first cards we've seen from the set, almost all of which look like hard commander cards and nothing else to be. So. All right, all right. Uh, do, you remember, do you remember this from your lovely childhood reading these books the party tree was that a thing uh i don't know like i think i know what they're talking about i don't remember if it was specifically called the party tree i'll be honest there's, with you there's just a reskinned great henge that's called yeah. the party tree yeah those are box toppers i believe ship it going alongside uh ensnaring bridge and wasteland which are, yeah. will also be box toppers yeah, but I think I think that's commander exclusive. Uh, who could possibly know? Anyway, I, you know, the the great hinge. I like the card. I don't Expensive. know. I don't know how often I actually registered it. I can remember one PTQ for sure. Um, I feel like I played it a lot on Arena for sure. Yeah, that was when I was actually playing a lot of Arena, so it makes sense. But I think I would have been more inclined to register it if it was just called the party tree it feels so. better for sure anyway yeah tom tom bombadil uh saga aggro great card i got, great no, I got nothing for this one like maybe there's some combo where you could eventually there's a ludicrously expensive saga and you can cheat via this but i highly highly doubt it all right aragorn and arwen wed four g dub three six Legendary creature, human elf noble, vigilance. Whenever this enters the battlefield or attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control. You gain one life for each other creature you control. Okay, this is this is, this is weird. This is bad. This is a mythic. I know. In a set that is only modern legal. If this was a rare in a standard legal set, I would not give it another look. Why does this cost six mana? Which points to the idea that like mythicness is being defined by collectability and like how iconic the character is but why if if that's true why is tom bombadil a mythic and gandalf the gray a rare alongside frodo sauron's bane also a rare i mean maybe there's other i'm expecting there are other versions of both gandalf and frodo dude i saw the movies frodo's like a common I, I that doesn't seem correct to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I will I will say that he may not been have been the most effective character, but it does feel like he's supposed to be beyond a common. Whatever, man. Uh, yes, dude. Six mana for this is a lot. It sucks. This card sucks. There's there's nothing else to really say about it. Like this, this could be like a legends card. You know, 
Yeah. Which is it just pretty like disappointing. Best card in Legends, but it's it's in range, I think. Riven Turnbull is the best card in Legends, all right? Mm. I mean, maybe the best creature. I'm trying to think what actual creatures are in Legends he, now. Riven Turnbull is a creature. What are you talking about? No, no, I'm saying he maybe wins that oh, distinction amongst okay. creatures. There are better cards. I thought Legends, you were saying, like, sure. okay, maybe Riven Turnbull is the best, but, like, Aragorn would be the best creature. I was like, what? No, no. Hold, hold on. No. Uh, anything else? No, I don't. I don't know what I'm supposed to say about this one. I feel like I'm usually pretty good at finding the bright side and being like, "Oh, we could maybe do this," but I, I got nothing here. Well, there's a lot of stuff which I think was maybe popular back in the day uh, as a casual card. Stuff like Juniper Order Ranger. Sure, I you know that card. Yeah, plus one, plus one counter stuff matters. There's 43,000 cards that do that now. Uh, I know. That's kind of the thing. I'm just kind of blown away by the fact this this costs six. Like, how does this not? Like, I would expect this to cost like four or something. Yeah. Same. Like, even, even five, I'd still be like poo-pooing. No, it's it's like purposefully bad. Like, you can't, there's there's no part of you that thought this was good. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, it's just weird to me. I Like, I, I don't even care about the thing, but I'm like disappointed. Anyway. Uh. Sauron, the lidless eye, three BR four four legendary creature avatar horror. When this enters the battlefield, gain control of target creature and opponent controls until end of turn. Untap it. It gains haste until end of turn. One BR creatures you control get plus two plus O oh until end of turn. Each opponent loses two life. Well, this is it's going to be a brief show if we keep up this kind of pace. You're uh, just like no words next. I I I don't really know what to say honestly. Uh, that ability, the activated ability seems strong. Maybe there's like a, a scenario where you have infinite mana and you need a kill condition and Sauron makes sense. There we go. I made a possible use case for Sauron, the Lilith Eye. And I think that's a real one, by the way. Like there are scenarios like that where, you know, you're doing something very odd and sideways and this card kind of opens a door to you that you did not previously have. That seems reasonable. I, I believe... I believe this card is flavorful. Sure. Yeah. How does that sound? Okay. That's that's nice praise. Okay. Uh, the one ring. All right. This card's yeah. actually good. So we this this saves the entire podcast. All right. Four mana, legendary artifact, indestructible. When this enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you gain protection from everything until your next turn. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life for each burden counter on this. Tap, put a burden counter on this, then draw a card for each burden counter on this. I think this is quite powerful. Uh, I think that like immediate protection is an ability that doesn't really have a lot of analogs in modern. And it seems like, uh, you know, being able to deploy this, then quickly turn it into three cards in hand while you have this protection shield up where you can't be like thought seized or, you know, comboed out in a lot of instances. Uh, that seems very good to me. Obviously anything that is an artifact Karn exists and you don't get the cast trigger off this if you're carning it, but you know, this is still a very, very uh, powerful source of card advantage. If you are life total agnostic, which modern occasionally is a format that is life total agnostic. It's not always. And I don't know that I would say it is right now, but there are windows where that opens up and you're just not going to care all that much about what, how much life. What do you using. mean about the the Karn thing? Well, you can you can just get this, right? 
Yeah, but you still have to cast it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I was, like, shortcutting it into play for some reason. Yeah, you, that, you that's why I was confused. It. That's why I was confused. Yeah, no, my bad. I, I skipped a step. Uh, no, like, yes. this, this This does seem like a, a reasonable Karn tutor target. I mean, you already have 30 of those, especially in modern, but... Each one makes a difference, though, and each yeah. one gets you another, you know, matchup percentage points that you didn't have previously. And uh, I think the one ring very much falls in that category. But I also think there's a world where this is just like a pretty good engine card that you can build around to do something. It's kind of an underpants gnomes where like step one is cast this, get a few cards immediately. Step two, something. Step three, profit. And I'm not sure what the something is quite yet, but I think the output of this card is high enough. And that protection ability is so, so unique I just wouldn't ignore it. I think it does open up some deck building possibilities. And certainly when you look at what else it is competing with in this set, I think it's by far the most exciting card we've seen thus far. Yeah. I mean, there's stuff that you can do with like bouncing it. Um, un- unfortunately, you can't do like welder ish stuff, but I think that that is probably fine. You could also just have multiple copies, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe reset maybe it Karn, all the time. Karn helps with that to some degree. You can, build the weirdest turbo fog deck in the history with stuff like this, I guess. So I'd be lying if I said I wasn't thinking of it. Uh, It is weird that the best way to like reset the one ring is to play another, the one ring. I agree. Should we, should we also talk about the one ring? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of booster packs. I kind of picked up what was going on there with the like one of one. Yep numbering uh i guess there are some other ones that are like one of 300 one of seven one of nine yeah the the one ring is the really interesting one there is literally one copy in existence it'll be with a serial number uh appearing in that's just gonna be like a million dollars i think so i I think a million dollars is pretty much where i would expect it to sell for um we we're about to be willy wonka up in here man it is trying to get my golden uh, ticket. It is a hell of a precedent. And, you know, there has always been this argument of like booster packs as lotteries and like are booster packs inherently predatory. Well, they're more <laughs> predatory than like other ways of selling a game for sure. Like, there's no question that there is some like desire to reach to that same type of stimuli that comes from gambling when it comes to booster packs and that's what makes them more appealing. But I have always said that, you know, short of gambling on a sealed pack of alpha or something like that, which means you already have a very large amount of disposable income. You're not really trying to do like the dollar and a dream thing where you just hook people hard. And, you know, if I hit this lottery ticket, I'm, my life's changing. I don't have to live in the toil of capitalism anymore and I get to escape or I get to take care of my sick child or my sick mother and give them the life they always wanted. Those type of dreams have never really been sold from a factory fresh booster pack before. I think you're crossing a pretty important line now where you are just, you're encouraging gambling straight up. Like this is, this is lottery esque gambling very similar type odds as the lottery, which like (laughs) I think some people will use that as sort of a defense of this happening. But that's kind of the problem is that the people who are exploited by things like this, they don't 
really understand odds. They aren't able, they lack the facilities to well, internalize what it actually means to have that infinitesimal of a chance. Even if they do, it doesn't matter because it's a compulsion above all else. Sure. Excellent you know, it's point. Like you, can, you can know factually that the odds are against you, but like you're, you're still going to put it all on black or whatever, you know, just like yep. people just do that, even though they know. And, you know, we, we started this podcast talking about, uh, you know, pretty meager upbringings and the type of places we were in. I will tell you that where I lived, you would come across people's lives destroyed by the lottery for, for real. Like people who just sat in gas stations all day playing quick draw or people who just scratch off after scratch off after scratch off after scratch off. I saw that. I absolutely saw that with my own eyes. It's, it's not a myth. It really does happen. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if this crosses over that line. You know, premium cards are in every TCG. Just something about this one feels feels different to me. Feels like you're, like I said, dollar in a dream. This yeah, this I mean, around. it's it's worse. It is definitely way worse than. Uh, I, I think the most I ever felt this was opening cases of like B for C. Uh, okay. And, and you know, there's like the dual lands and like the occasional yeah. piece of power and stuff like that. But that was there. not going to change your life. Like, no, this it card wasn't. Actually, has the capacity to change lives. It so like th- this is where the logical part of me comes in, where I I knew that it was not a good idea to do this for the sake of doing it. So at, you know, once I was done drafting the set, like it's not like I was just buying the boxes and opening them or whatever. Right. Now, did I maybe try to encourage people to draft more often? Because like, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I was getting some sort of utility out of it and then just stopped or whatever. Uh, and if if there was like literally only one copy of the card that was, I, I guess there are, like I said, you know, one of 700, one of 900, whatever. Like there, mm-hmm. there are other smaller uh lotto prizes i suppose but it's like i never would have engaged in that thinking that i would get the one singular copy um but that's me that's how i'm able to interact with it uh i i don't think that i ever developed a gambling problem you know yeah uh, but that is definitely not going to be the case for everyone and like if, if it if that does happen that's horrible man scary scary line to play with for sure not good times all right uh are you gonna open some booster packs trying to get the one ring no okay i'll probably open one where where do you think the pack is going to be opened i don't i don't know anywhere like theoretically it should be anywhere in theory do you think you think there's something going on you think they would seed it i'm not saying that okay (laughs) Put put your tinfoil hat down. I may be right. insinuating that, but I'm not saying it. Uh, uh, that would be risky business it's, for sure. It's more likely that it gets opened in the U.S., I think, because that is the biggest market. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I do think it behooves them to get opened at some point and then become a news story. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know. I, I think you want it on YouTube, if anything. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that'd be absurd. You you want the opening captured? Yep. Anyway, Mount Doom. Uh, on on the topic of well, Doom how appropriate, Gloom. Mount Doom. Yeah. 
Uh, Legendary land, tap, pay one life, add B or R. One BR tap, this deals one damage to each opponent. Five BR tap, sacrifice this and a legendary artifact. Choose up to two creatures, then destroy the rest. Activate only as a sorcery. I feel you could like probably talk yourself into playing this, right? I feel like a lot of these cards might be top-down designed to a fault. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is playable. Which is interesting because we're we're next going to get to a card that I feel like just totally fails that task. But okay, cool. Uh, you know, like this is. In in commander, it's it's whatever, right? Because you know, if you're Rakdos commander, if you're playing your brand new Sauron deck or whatever, this is the same thing as like a City of Brass or a Mana Confluence or whatever. But it's like those cards are not that good. Yeah. And Sulphurous Springs, I think, would not make a lot of uh, commander main decks because there sure. are stronger options. However, this does have reasonable utility so okay cool yeah you're right like this will probably go into some decks but like for modern absolutely not you don't think so what am i what am i doing with this slow damage to each opponent you, you know there are other lands that do that that are not good right like i would rather this, play Ramanac yeah. ruins or whatever this is this is a dual land a bad one, but a dual land. A, a bad one. It's a, as much of a dual land as a mana confluence is. Yeah. And you do get to do things like play a copy of Urborg to kind of free roll it or whatever, but that's also just like a lot of jumping through hoops to effectively pay for mana to slowly nickel and dime your opponent out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard argument to make because like the type of deck that could theoretically like in my head play something like this in good faith and modern right now is the type of deck that I would never ever want to play in modern like well sure fair, fair attrition jund and jund, I think jund won one of the challenges last weekend but yeah okay well good good for the jund players but in that deck one copy of mount doom in certain metagames you say never happens I'm not saying that people won't do it I'm saying that <laughs> okay. I will never do it okay no, that's that's fair. I will do it because that's just the type of person I am. You can you can make the argument for Death Shadow, but I think a lot of people were overhyped on things like nurturing peatland. Oh, for sure. In, for in sure. regards to how they impact shadows, just like getting getting a shockland untapped is more immediate impact, and you want the bleeding to stop at some point. Yeah, I I do agree with that. I just think reach on a land is kind of good in some scenarios. I and, don't disagree with you. Even in modern. I don't disagree. Play any like hive of the eye tyrant, den of the bug bugbear. Like those things are more defensible than this. There's a lot of options. A lot of options. And for sure. if you're talking about like, oh, this is a dual land, dude. Do you have any idea how many awesome dual lands are not seen ooh, modern play? Oh, if you have, the, <laughs> I don't know the answer to this. I got really excited. But Hit me. If you have one copy of Mount Doom in your uh, Mardu Pyromancer list. Are you a two-time Pro Tour champion? No. Come on. You can't find a way to, to beat Lantern Control with this card? I don't think I got Salvato below 10 in any of the three you, games. That we you didn't. They were not close. That is, that is true. They were not even close to be. My deck had no clock. And it's not like... 
you know, like the games kind of take a while, but they don't take that long. No, they didn't. Could you have built in a different way? Should Mount Doom have existed? I could have played a single game against Lantern ever. Yeah, that's fair. The the two times I've played against Lantern have been playing for top eight of uh, GP in Oklahoma City, where I blew it, and then Zach won the tournament and then made Lantern a deck. Yep. So and then and then was in the finals of the Pro Tour, which I probably only lost because I lost that match <laughs> against Zach, which led him top eight and make Lantern a deck. So, uh, yeah, mistakes might have been made, man. I don't know. Sounds like it. It wasn't even like... I don't even think I had to like test the matchup. I just had to like watch a canister VOD. I just couldn't even be bothered to do that. And 22 year old magic workaholic me would be so disappointed in me now. Time's valuable, man. As we get older, it gets more and more finite. So I understand. It's not. I just do heinous, useless bullshit with my time. So my time, my time is valuable. Uh, Must be nice. Uh, Gandalf the Grey. Three, you are three, four legendary creature avatar wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, choose one that hasn't been chosen. You may tap or untap target permanent. This deals three damage to each opponent. Copy target instant or sorcery spell you control. You may choose new targets for the copy. Put this on top of its owner's library. All right. First off, medium as hell. Like just not an exciting card. Uh, Uh, the the copy the thing is the most powerful right hands down yeah but you could do it one time on your five drop nonsense three four creature true uh other than that like it is rare that we get cards where it's just like this is just worse than morphling you know most blue kind of like powerful modal finishery type things it's just like oh yeah this is just way better than morphling yeah it's it's a bad card but the what really grinds my gears is uh doesn't feel very gandalfy to me at all like you talked about how it felt like a lot of this stuff was top down the first few I, cards were yeah i'm not feeling it with this gandalf and look maybe somebody who understands lord of the rings better than i do can make a good case why this is a great representation of gandalf but i would argue that's not indicative of good design good design is supposed to be resonant so everyone can make those connections and and understand why this is a great gandalf and for I, such an iconic mm, character i think this that kind of misses for me okay I, I was gonna say i think that that might be true for a thing that is not uh a universe is beyond thing like if lore wise top down gandalf is mm. is it which would not have been my guess no then okay cool but yeah, uh, I, I do mostly agree with you, though. This is, again, one of those cards is like not particularly strong. And I don't know, maybe like people are going to want to build decks around this no matter what, just because the the old dude with the beard is on the card, right? Yeah, I think it probably ends up in commander decks. Sure. But like, wouldn't you prefer- but you, can't, you can't bring this to your local game store and play modern with it. Like, no. isn't that a miss in some ways? I don't know, man. I, I I think that like if this set impacts modern in a small way, I am happier if it is not the name characters that are doing it. Okay. 
I don't know. I don't know what the answer. Like it's it. Like I said, I feel like there's no good answer to this, which is why I'm having a hard time refuting your point. To me, I sort of want Gandalf to matter, but I understand the consequence of that is that now Gandalf is in every game of modern until the end of time. So right, just feels like you can't win with this one. What if instead of Ragavan, it was Frodo or whatever, right? And you're just like, dude, what the hell? It'd be weird. Definitely be weird. It would be weird. And I think more people would be angry than the, the amount of people that are like, yo, I'm going to start playing modern because Frodo's a banger. Maybe more people would be angry, but which matters more someone being angry or someone starting to play the game? Yeah, no, you're probably right about that. Like at some point, as soon as you do this product, you're making some amount of people angry. They're, they're, They're literally looking for reasons to be angry. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you're right in that those people are going to exist no matter what. So do you cater to them or not? Nah? And yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. I think it's just not. Nah. I, I think like at some point you like are trying to foster a relationship with your community and you like identify yourself as a game maker that listens and tries to provide the community what they want. That's that's not we're we're past that. <laughs> this is this is a money making venture, and if you see it as anything else, you're just deluding yourself. So, well, should we feel like surprised or bad that this is maybe one of the things that they are not just dramatically cash grabbing for, where it's like Gandalf is busted modern breaking mythic or whatever? <laughs> I I would say. If I thought that was the case, then I would say you're you're right. Good on them for showing some restraint. But then you point at other things in the set, like the One Ring and serialized soul rings all over the place at Elvish, and like that's very clearly like yes, it's it's serving a purpose. It's like good lore referential, but it's also there to hard make money without a doubt, and can't be seen as anything else. It's leaning into collectability in its purest, most uh disgusting form i don't know i mean like you've you've you're already doing it if you're if you're doing it commit i'm big on commitment like you can play (laughs) either side of the coin you can be like player friendly and always trying to do the right thing or you can try and make money but don't pretend to be half in and half out like you're just make the money just do it right but then if they do that we just give them even more shit okay and they keep making more money. Like the shit we give them is irrelevant. It's not meaningful. I've been giving them shit for basically four years straight now. It hasn't made one iota of difference on their bottom line. You literally sat out the world championships of Magic the fucking Gathering, and it did not matter one bit to their bottom line. So like giving them shit is completely irrelevant. And I think it's proven to be so at this point. Fair. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's weird to be critical of them for doing it. And then when they don't do it hard enough, you're you're like critical of them for not <laughs> not taking all the money. Yeah, just like not being super greedy. It's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not willing to like pat them on the back for this or whatever. It's just like surprising and weird and a strange choice. Like if you wanted to go down this route uh, where like, oh, we need to make the card or the set modern legal so that it sells maybe a little bit more to that crowd or whatever, but then we can't make Gandalf good. It it feels like 
a lot of those things are kind of at odds with each other. It's like, you know, if, if Gandalf sucks and Aragorn and Arwen suck, and I mean, we've seen 10 cards or whatever, right? So yeah, yeah. Who knows? But like, if, if this is how things are going to be with this set, then I feel like maybe it missed the mark a little bit, but obviously very, very early. It's just weird to do it with something as iconic as Gandalf, right? Because for, you know, I, I'm familiar with the, you know, I've, I've seen the movies. I, not everyone has seen the movies or whatever. And for the people who are even less enfranchised than me, like they still probably know who Gandalf is, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. So then to, to make his card like kind of weak, uh, maybe, maybe there's a different Gandalf too. I mean. Yeah, I think there will be. All right. Okay, so I, then maybe, maybe we should I'll, just I'll, shut I'll, the hell I'll up run. and wait. Because if there's a second Gandalf, then uh, all bets are off, right? Maybe it's just more Ragavans. Gandalf the Pilfer. Very, let's go. Oh, very possible. All right, let's let's go on to Frodo. Frodo, Sauron's Bane. Dub, 1-2, legendary creature, halfling citizen. HH, where H is a hybrid white or black mana. If this is a citizen... It becomes a halfling scout with base power and toughness 2-3 and lifelink. BBB, if this is a scout, it becomes a halfling rogue with whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, that player loses the game if the ring has tempted you four or more times this game. Otherwise, the ring tempts you. That's that's a tough one, Gerald. I don't know. Top down, baby. Realistically evaluate this. Uh, I will say that no, no matter what the ring tempting you does, this is probably worse than a standard card, which is wild because we see this, like this mode of design. We've done this a bunch, these fake figure of destinies. We go back to it time and time again. And in standard, they come off quite strong. They have a lot of history of success. Uh, they all get players excited. I understand why you want to do it. This one has probably the most restrict restrictive ultimate we've ever seen. Like really, really hard to play your white creature and then shift all the way over to black. The upgrade you get the first time to two, three lifelink feels meh. I mean, it's it's like okay. It's it's not exciting. And then the third one, I think, just because we know there's no evasion tacked on, like whatever this ability is, whatever this tempting does, having to get through with your two, three lifelink, halfling, rogue, scout, citizen <laughs> seems like a very big ask. And on the whole, it's just like a really, really underwhelming card again. And it doesn't get bigger either. No, does not. So, yeah. Which kinda, like, kinda again, top down, like Frodo shouldn't be massive. Probably that yeah, makes no sense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm just saying as far as like, is is there a reason for them to like, maybe chump block this or whatever. It's like, no, nope. you just put a three, three in front of it and you're, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's just hard to imagine the context. I mean, you know, the set has a lot of room to expand, like we just said. So many things can change there. There's cards that give you non-basic land walk in the set. So maybe that's what you're supposed to do to get Frodo through. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the that's answer a, is. That's a reprint. It, but... Oh, this. Yeah, well, yeah, it's a trailblazer boots. boots. Yeah. Okay. 
It is. That, that's a Zendikar card, baby. Yes, it uh, is. So I guess they're doing these uh, like Godzilla treatments, as I've come to know these, where it's a card with a different name that already exists uh, in the main set as well as the commander set, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, Lore-wise, Brian, uh, is it inherently a bad thing to be tempted by the ring? Like, the bad thing is, is when you, like, fully give in, right? But yeah. I believe it is normal for someone to get tempted, but it's like it it does make it harder and harder the more times you do it, presumably. Yeah, uh, it, it's not a good thing to be tempted by the ring like it, it. It should happen to everyone exposed to the ring and only the best of us would be able to overcome that temptation. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, that, I think that flavor works for me. I think. Okay. I'm I'm just checking, you know, it's like, hey, I'm tempted, but I just say nah every time, you know, but if it, if it, if it does like, it four times in, though. Well, right. If it like seeps in and corrupts you and makes it more and more likely that you will just give in or whatever, then yeah, I get it. Then it's a win. Look, this is the least developed mechanic we have out of all the stuff we're going to talk about here. So this, maybe this is a home run. Maybe this gets built out in such a way where I'm like, oh yeah, that's definitely the ring. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But, you know, trying to speculate off this, it, it's it's really hard. Maybe you just slap some trail bo- blazers boots on this bad boy. Get to town. All right. The Shire legendary land enters the battlefield tapped. Unless you control a legendary creature tap add G one G tap tap an untapped creature. You control create a food token. This would have been a mildly playable standard card. Yeah. Like, I would have put one in a lot of my decks. I don't think it would have uh, pushed those decks over the top. I don't think it's going to do so in modern. Yo, I am more likely to put this in a modern deck than I am Mount Doom. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Disagree, but yeah, maybe. I, I guess they're like, well, no, you have to tap an untapped creature. I was trying to come up with like a good scenario where you get upside here. I mean, I guess well, it is tap, a persistent tap your two cat. life. Yeah. Tap your cat or whatever. Yeah, Not this, that people are even this like might playing be cats like a anymore. good a good anti burn card, right? If you have all the mana in the world, and no, no, that that shit is way too slow. I don't know, Gerald. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with any of these cards. I can't figure it out. I am lost. Uh, I am wandering the Shire aimlessly, and I, I don't have the answers for you. Well, again, flavor because they eat a lot in the Shire. That's it. That's true. Uh, Lorian Brooch is or brooch i get whatever trailblazers boots cool is this a rare Why yeah, was, is rare? That, that's what threw me off trailblazers boots was not a rare right that was uncommon that's what i that's what i thought so r- rarity upshift for the uh are the base packs also expensive of this set uh, i mean more expensive than a regular booster pack i would imagine yeah i thought so too Dude, lottery tickets by default are just more expensive, you know? I guess that's true. Uh, <laughs> so I, I I, don't know what the the one ring is going to be worth, right? You're or talking about if the will, one one ring right now, the, right? the one one ring. Uh, and I certainly don't know if it will ever actually sell. Or if it even gets found, right? There, if there legitimately is only one, it could just be in whatever sealed product someone chooses to keep of this thing. Could just be in the dump, dude. 
could already yeah, be there. Could be in the dump. Good point. Um, but yeah, you know, say say it is a million is obviously very high because I I don't think anyone would ever pay that. Therefore, it is not worth that, right? But I think whatever the that. huh? I think someone might pay that. Dude, he just has like I understand having like tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, but just like having millions of dollars lying around for rings. No, they don't. They don't have millions of dollars lying around. They have like billions of dollars, and then millions become inconsequential. Yeah. Even even if you have like, <laughs> I'm going to lay out five hundred million dollars as a small amount of money. But if you have that kind of wealth, then one million dollars is just like what you generate on a passive day. Like it, it doesn't matter yeah. anymore at that point. Yeah, but like, who cares that much about like Lord of the Rings and magic that you maybe you just buy it to buy it. You're someone suggested Stephen Colbert as a potential buyer. Oh yeah. He's a, he's a big Lord of the Rings nerd. I don't know. I don't, there's, there's a lot of nerds out there, bro, who are willing to spend money on these things. Is Colbert going to spend like a million dollars or even like half a mil. I don't know. I don't know how much money he's worth. I, I expect it's a very large amount though. Like kind of the type of money that is just like, a million dollars doesn't actually matter. You donate that money. Do do something good with it. Maybe Mr. Beast will want to destroy it on his YouTube channel and then fix a bunch <laughs> of people's eyes afterwards. Like anything's possible. <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Um. Yeah. Why has gotten weird? Isn't it a weird world we live in at this point? Like all these possibilities. Yes. Yes, it very is. Strange. All right. Samwise is stout-hearted, one dub, two one, legendary creature, halfling peasant, flash. When this enters the battlefield, choose up to one target permanent card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. Return to your hand, then the ring tempts you. Uh, Why? Hold on. This is this is Samwise slander. Why is Frodo a citizen and Samwise is a peasant? I don't know, man. You, you gotta tell me that. I this probably some explanation i mean you don't have to i find it i actually don't care okay um that's good to know because i don't have an answer this is one of those instances where i wish there was a cleaner way to talk about this sort of thing choose up to one target permanent card in your graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn i i just hate that language you don't like the what was the first instance of this the card that was going to be good in modern Maybe it wasn't the first instance. There was like uh, brought back. I don't know if that was the first one though. Yeah, yeah. That's the but there's that sort of thing. Yep. Meh. I like this card actually seems pretty playable to me. I don't know what it says that like the cards that I'm actually more excited about seem to be the uncommons and commons in this set, which is odd. It's not when we've only seen a little bit and the rares are all weird as hell and the commons are just like functional for, you know, limited. For playing magic, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a good way of looking so, at it. That that doesn't shock me too much. Uh, yeah, this is reasonable. I mean, I don't know if you're uh, using this to ramp with a fetch land or whatever. I don't know what the ring tempting you does. Yeah. Um. So, who knows? But Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how negative that temptation is. Gollum, patient plotter, 1B, 3-1, legendary creature, halfling horror. When this leaves the battlefield, the ring tempts you. B, sack a creature. 
Return this from your graveyard to your hand. Activate only as a sorcery. Boy, that seems pretty bad. Pretty Does bad it? for a modern... Well, look, in, in comparison to things that we've had in the past... It does not seem like it's of the same power level. Things like returning it to your hand rather than to play. That's a pretty big shift on how these type of cards usually work. Uh, Yo, you, know, you could I, not find me a thing that says like, B, sack a creature, put this into play. Uh, I mean, I could point you to like Scrap Heap Scrounger, which is more than B. It, it's, it's B1 for sure. Yeah. And it's, I mean, being a sack outlet is potentially good too. Okay. Yeah, sack outlet's a big deal. That's true. Not saying this is good. Only as a sorcery, it gets worse. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm not arguing that this is a good card or anything. I'm just saying, like, you know, this is... It it does something unique, right? Right. This is not, like, aggressively good text or whatever, but it's not aggressively bad. At least it's unique. And again, I I don't know what the ring tempting you does, so... I guess I'm, I'm just being, like, so critical of it because I'm comparing it to, like... Like, if this was a standard set, I'd be like, okay, yeah, this is a card that, like, could have fringe applications in modern, and maybe you can acknowledge it as that. But where it's a modern set, it just feels weird that that's as far as we're willing to go with a card like this. Same argument. Same argument over and over. It just feels very off to me. It's only an uncommon. Yeah. I don't know that that matters all that much in terms of uh, engine-type cards like this. Would you rather have Gandalf be the new Ragavan or Gollum? I think I would choose Gollum. Really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, Gollum has... I don't, it just feels like a better fit in terms of having that, like, small ball persistent effect, whereas Gandalf is supposed to be, like, this multiverse's most powerful wizard. That doesn't really fit in the magic context because that should be like a planeswalker. So Gandalf taking on this role of just being like this low curve everywhere type threat would be very, very strange to me. Uh, Not literal Ragavan. I'm just saying like ubiquity within the format. I'm still leaning leaning Gollum. Okay. Which one do you think would get more people into modern? I think it's Gandalf. It depends... It depends how flavorful the cards are. Like, no, of course. I'm just talking character specific. That's it. Yeah, it's so hard because, like, you know, if for whatever reason this Gandalf that we're looking at was like extremely powerful and ubiquitous, then like for for whatever reason this lined up in the context of the modern format, uh, I think it still doesn't have enough Gandalf to it where it would actually drive that kind of conversion. Dude, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not talking about the specific text on the cards as it exists now, just like the character. Like if you were going to have any, any of these two cards, of these two characters be the one card that shows up in modern, which, which would be like more beneficial for the modern player base. I think if you nail the execution on Gollum, it's still Gollum. Okay. Where you get to do like the, the, my precious voice and like, there's some way of interacting with, stealing the ring all the time or whatever, then the the best execution goes to Gollum. I don't think Gandalf has that same potential high. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I, I think magic tournament players could stand to be less creepy and like, you know. Less Gollum-like? Yeah, less Gollum-like. So it's a good thing this Gollum is, uh, you know, 
probably not going to be seeing a ton of play. Yeah. My inclination was Gandalf just because. It's like the know, biggest I, commercial footprint is the way. Yeah, think, exactly. Right? I understand. Exactly. Uh, you cannot pass. Dub instant destroy target creature that blocked or was blocked by a legendary creature this turn. Extremely, extremely controversial card here. Is it? Um, yeah. Yeah, this has caused some firestorms on the internet. All for reasons you do not care about. Is it lore related? Like, did the Balrog not die? What Should Gandalf also take some damage? In the movie, Gandalf does say you cannot pass, but the iconic line from the movie, the one that gets memed all the time, he actually says, you shall not pass. Right. And that's certainly the more identifiable, the more mainstream of of the phrases said in this confrontation in the book. He only says you cannot pass. Um, so, well, I, I think them going off of the book interpretation is probably correct. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of really complex commercial questions that come with this is like, how do you make the most exciting version of this product? And yeah. Like the zeitgeist around this scene is definitely you shall not pass. 100%. That is how this scene is remembered. It's the iconic it, line. It is, it's the one that gets memed. It is the one that is quoted in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's an important characteristic to look at, but yeah, you're right. Hey, all it matters things, to me. I don't know. <laughs> it's re- well, I, I wouldn't say it matters. It's relevant to me. That doesn't seem like a movie you should have seen. Like there's no way you like that movie. Uh, Kristen Bell, man. That's all it takes. Well, Veronica Mars is my favorite show of all time. Yeah, so. I understand. So anything she's in, you're just like, yeah, I, I like this movie. Not everything, because she's been in some bad stuff, and eventually I just stopped watching them. Mm-hmm. But you got all the way through forgetting Sarah Marshall. I did. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a fine movie. On it. Like, I'm not, I'm not judging you as far as like those type of comedies go. I think no, it's actually you, a pretty good one. You are, you are correct in that it is not my typical genre, and. Whenever I bring up the fact that I willingly subjected myself to that movie, people are like, huh? Are we shocked by it? Yeah. I mean, if they know me. That doesn't make you want to try more movies in that genre, having, you know, experienced that and been mostly okay with it? No, because even if that was like a medium plus version of that genre, like it I'm, is. I'm good, I would man. say it's medium plus for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Like that's enough for me. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, I I would go ahead and quote the books on this because if you don't, then the people are going to do the mad. opposite. Yeah, where they're like, you're cashing in on commercial meme bullshit and not staying true to the blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You know, this set I, should just be called "You Can't Win." The set, yeah, just no winning decisions to be made here, except for your bank account. Your bank account's going to win. That's true. Either way. Uh, I, I think this is interesting, though, because if all you know are the movies and you see this and you're like, oh, but the word's wrong. And then people get to, well, actually you and explain yeah. why this is actually, you know. Tannen did this the other day. He was devastated. I was talking to him on Discord. He just got torn apart on Twitter because he did exactly this. Um, and, you know, Tannen, Tannen's pretty low key on social media, tends not to get in the firestorm all that much. But he, he outed himself with this one. And he's just like, why do I ever tweet? I was like, I don't know. There's, there's no good answer to that question. The, the real answer to that is 
when you see a thing like this and it's like, oh, did wizards make a horrible mistake? And, and am I the first one to point this out? What you need to do in that situation is take a step back mm-hmm. and recognize that you're probably missing something. I'll just say I was very close to messaging. Like I had the tweet typed at wizards to try and tell them that they had uh, not had Vorniclex written properly in Magic Arena because every time I search for it, I can find it. So it was, I, I, yeah, I, it was all typed up, ready to go. And then I had to, I had to chicken check myself for a record. Yeah, you're like, wait, wait, am I the asshole here? And, and I, I was, think that's just a good question to always, always be asking yourself. Yeah, because for me, the answer is almost always yes. So. Sometimes. Uh, anything else? Uh, what, what, about, what about the card? <laughs> nothing? Oh, no. nothing. No, no, that doesn't do anything. Awesome. Uh, reprieve, one dub, instant, return target spell to its owner's hand, draw a card. Beautiful, wonderful. Uh, this is its rightful home. That said, uh, remand in modern. Not much these days. Sees less than 1% of play. I will say that it did show up in top eight of a challenge last weekend. Okay. Opening it to white could matter as well. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yes. So, uh, lapse of certainty was yeah. a three mana memory yeah. lapse. And it saw play. It did see play. And it's just like, man, this is just such a garbage effect, but white doesn't have any. Right. Right. I, I actually think there is a legitimate conversation to be had about what the best card in the set is so far. It's either the one ring or reprieve. I think I would lean towards the one ring, but it's not that far off. Like this does seem like the most interesting card uh, besides the one ring. I don't know, man. Four mana is a lot. Like it if you started showing me some decks that looked interesting or maybe even good with it, then maybe. But right now it is difficult to wrap my head around like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna dirtle around with this four mana sorcery speed thing. No, that- but but the baseline is Karn. Like that that is enough to make sure that this is the most impactful card, right? Uh I mean, if you're talking specifically in the context of it being a tutor target, yeah. then sure. But I also think that that is a silly way to be making like top 10 lists or whatever, you know? Well, which makes, which makes more modern decks reprieve or the one ring. The Karn decks would exist anyway. Yeah. And they would I, be I roughly as playable even without it. So I it's, mostly agree, but which one makes more decks? Like it's technically showing up. Uh, which one is going to get cast more? How about that? Uh, that's a good question. That's why I said, I, like, I, I'm with you. I think it's pretty close, but I... I, I don't think it's close. I think it's reprieve. But, okay. Uh, okay. If, if for no other reason, then, like, people are going to want to try it, and they're going to want to... Ah, oh, God, I think about just so many medium, <laughs> medium-ass, like, worse than forgetting Sarah Marshall-ass white decks in modern that would play the hell out of this. and. Uh, I, I, a lot of them come from aspiring spike who does good work, uh, and also, uh, contracted on the set or whatever, but it's just like Boros Lotus field type of stuff or, Mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, brought back nonsense or whatever. It's like those decks are maybe things that only he can five Oh with and are solidly on, you know, tier 2.5 or tier three of like playability or whatever. But like reprieve actually does help them quite a bit. And there is there is a lot of love for white mid-range sort of stuff. And I even saw 
you know, like Sun Titan Nemeria type of stuff showing up again. Oh boy. So, pe- do oh people boy. are going to try it? They're going to put it in decks, and there's a lot of different white kind of garbage adjacent uh, mid-range decks in modern already. So there are a lot of places to put this thing. I believe that. Don't know that it will change anything for those decks, but I'm happy they get another tool because they could stand to get two or three more tools. Well, the thing is, is that those decks are typically good in the places where remand is bad. And like basically if you are trading even or below on mana for remand, it's not a good card. But Mm -hmm. if you are dinging like three, four, six mana spells with it or whatever, that's exactly where you want to be. And those are the types of decks that the white decks are really bad against and have basically no disruption against, you know, it's just like, think about white mid range thing against like primeval Titan. And it's just like, okay, yeah. Like, does this solve the matchup? No, probably not, but it helps a lot. And let you lose a turn later. Yeah. And well, maybe you get a little something going in there, you know, maybe you find your blood moon or something, but, uh, the Ragavan decks you're generally pretty good against. You have as many like, uh, lay down arms, path to exile, solitude, wall of omens type of crap that you could ever want, right? It's like you you want the actual interaction against like combo or you know pseudo combo decks. Yeah, I just think they need to be a little bit better at closing the door to really leverage a card like this. And for sure, I mostly don't at this point. But maybe this card existing inspires them to do more stuff like that. I think I think a lot of those decks have kind of the tools to do that. Like they're getting closer. Just all those decks have some sort of like pseudo combo kill. Okay. Yeah, this could do it then. I mean, plus a card, slow down your opponent, protect your combo, possibly. One of my favorite uses of remand is just force your thing through. So gives you like a little bit of counterplay against opposing counter spells too. If you want to mm-hmm. go down that route, I don't think things really come down to traditional card advantage. You know, it's like, oh, you play a spell, they counterspell it, you reprieve your own thing. And now you're up a card and always loved the value remand. One of my favorite plays. It feels good. I'm not sure how often that's going to decide games, but like that's another avenue to it where it's, it's going to come up a non-zero amount of the time. So like, I, mm-hmm. I don't, this is slam dunk going to change modern or whatever. It, it is definitely a card that is going to see play though. And I'm, I think that that's cool. And that that's what you should be getting out of this set is just like a random ass thing like this. Like, yeah, it has yeah random instance has Lord of the Rings characters on it but could also just be reprinted later and not have it kind of like this lorian brooch brooch boots lorian boots lorian boots so yeah i i don't know it's cool um if these are the types of things that show up i'm all about it uh i don't really need people doing their finest golem impression to me uh um, I'm kind of good on that. Well, they're going to be disappointed. And I, I wish this is the point of the show where I could bust out my golem to torment. <laughs> you, but I, I don't have one. So, and unfortunately, Zencaster doesn't have a button for that. You can't just put it in no there. Golem button. Nah, not yet. Anyway, I'll see if I can get uh, filter for next week. And then is there anything like with the commander cards as far as no, no, I, I'm just saying like, can we, insinuate anything because you were looking at like Tom Bombadil and it's just like if this is a main set card what the hell do the commander cards look like it's like well what do the commander cards say about the main set and yeah I don't know weird commander cards I guess yeah usual nonsensical type stuff 
yeah, not a lot of not a lot of stuff so far. I also don't know if we're gonna go like super hard on this set. Uh, my my inclination is to do one to not do that. But yeah, just do one wrap up show at the end, maybe. Maybe, or as you know, things pop up like say there is some you cannot pass esque controversy. Uh, more in the vein of like grief ephemerate. Like, is this going to bust open modern? Yeah. Then we could talk about that for a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, I like that approach. So yeah, we'll see. What are the odds that there's a second Gandalf? You think? I feel. I feel like this 100%. 100%. is one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Because there, there's like Gandalf the White. Is that also? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then that'll be the Azorius one. I think so. I hope so. All right. Broke it. Figured it out. I don't even know anything about this. And I feel pretty smart right now. Um, but it's also probably done intentionally on their end is like drop the medium ass one and surprise them with the, the good one later. But like everyone should know that there's a good one coming or whatever. I think so. I, I am optimistic that we get a good Gandalf. All right. Uh, what else? No, no more uh, dump updates or anything. Uh, haven't seen much going out of the dump. There was some recycling going on, which I sent you earlier this week, but uh, I don't think that actually qualifies as dump news. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on, on all the dumps around America and I'll, I'll keep everyone updated. As or or Reddit will at the very least. Yeah. Reddit, Reddit sees all. Right. Game. Or is there like a Lord of the Rings flavored way we could end the show? Uh, Do they have anything to do with games in that series? No. Cool. Just a boring, meaningless close to the show. My precious. Good luck.